Well, today um, we are beginning a brand new series called Boldly Go. Um, Boldly Go, uh, our study, or it's the latest installment, if you will, of our un- ongoing study of the book of Acts. Um, we started the study of Acts about two years ago, so we're about halfway through on a four-year journey to get through the whole book of Acts. And I, I have to be very honest with you, I so enjoy diving in like this into Scripture and just digging and, and learning and having God speak to us. So I'm looking forward to this series. Invite somebody to come along the journey with you. <clears throat> and Acts, excuse me, is a description of the early church coming alive by the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission. I was thinking about that early this morning as I get up, because I get up really early on Sundays and go through my notes. I was thinking, you know, that's the exact same story that God has for each one of us, is that we would come alive by the work and the transformation of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and that we would begin to fulfill the mission. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the heartbeat of heaven. And, and then, <clears throat> so Acts is all about that. Now, here's, here's the truth, though. Being a follower of Jesus is much more than just going to church. Um, I think somehow, some way, we've, we've got in our culture this idea that I go to church. If you ask somebody, many times I'll ask people about their, their relationship with the Lord, and their response will be something, I went to church last week. It's like, no, I didn't ask you if you went to church. I asked you, do you have a relationship with the Lord? And so many times we confuse those two ideas. And so followers of Jesus is much more than just going to church. It's being a person who is sent to boldly proclaim the truth that will change the lives of people and the world. Sadly, though, many who call themselves followers of Christ sit on the sidelines and watch others struggle to fulfill God's plan and kingdom themselves. It's almost kind of like what I was talking about a little bit ago, that, that we, we let everybody else do what, maybe what I'm supposed to be doing, and, and that's part of the problem. And so in, in this series, we're going to be encouraging people to, one, get in the game, two, learn how to be ready, and three, begin to fulfill the call of God to change the world of Christ around you, whether it be across the street, in your own home, or around the world, that that would be true. So as we jump in today to our study, we're doing Acts, we're going to do Acts 13, 14, and 15 over the next several weeks, and today we're going to be looking at just 12 verses, the first 12 verses of Acts 13, and really what it is, it's the story of the start. It's the story of the start of what is often called the first missionary journey of Paul. In other words, there's a starting point. There's a starting point to the adventure. There's a starting point to God really ratcheting up what he wants to do through the church and even in our lives as well. There's a starting idea, and so that's what we're diving into. So I just want to jump in, and our key text for the whole series is actually the first few verses of Acts 13. So let's, let's go for it. Let's jump in. Among the prophets and teachers, <clears throat> and there were pastors, evangelists, uh, 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 the fivefold ministry, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, there we go, and, and they were all part of this. And so they highlight here the prophets and the teachers, the specific roles for the church to build up the church. Among the prophets and teachers of the church in Antioch and Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, which a little interesting little note, as I was doing a little study, many think that this might be the actual guy that carried the cross of Jesus when he got crucified. Isn't that kind of cool that he at one point was carrying the cross, now he's actually somebody that's carrying the cross to the world. He's actually making a difference in the world. So kind of a cool thing. Lucius from Cyrene, which is in northern Africa, Manin or Manin, I don't know how to say it. 
the childhood companion of King Antipas. Antipas. An interesting little thought about him is that he grew up with, with Herod the Great in the palace, or Herod the Antipas, and he ends up going to the route that he says he's going to live his life for the king, Jesus, whereas the other one goes and he becomes kind of quite the handful. It's kind of an interesting little storyline right there. And then Saul. And so as I read those, that first verse, it's a great example of how God can use anyone and change anyone, that he will use a motley crew just like us. Isn't that good news? Right? I mean, he pulls all this together to do this. And so not only that, but God always raises up a people to lead. But the key to spiritual leadership is always availability to, what, to do what God desires when he desires it and to be ready to go boldly into the world, to boldly go. So it goes on, verse 2. It says, One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. And interesting little thought, and I'm just kind of digging in here before we get into the points that we're going to talk about here today. But, but this idea of what I've called them, it's actually past tense. It's God had already put something in Paul put some, Saul, later to be called Paul, put something in them as far as I've, I've set you apart, I've appointed you, you've got a special work, I've called you, but it wasn't necessarily fully in action yet. And it was, so it was already predetermined, it was something in the past, but it hadn't come to fulfillment yet, which I thought about it for a lot of you here today. You might have had God say something to you five years ago or last year or last week or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever it might be, where God says, I want to do this through you. But for whatever reason, it lays dormant. The Holy Spirit will come into your life at some point along the journey and said, okay, now is the time. And the idea is that we need to be ready for that moment. Okay, So it goes on and says, Barnabas, Saul, for the special work I've called them, so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. First big idea, and this is really the whole big idea for the whole series, is this. We are all called by God to live sent. To live sent. That God is calling us to actively help in building his church and prepare a people for his return. That we're in the business of getting people ready for Jesus to come back and take everybody with him forever. That's, that's the business of the church. I mean, we're, we're doing good things now, but the great thing that we're part of is preparing for eternal destiny that is planned for us by God to be a part of what he's doing forever. God places his hand on different people in different times to accomplish his special work. It is the calling of God to boldly go. Matter of fact, all of the book of Acts is built on this concept, to boldly go, that I'm, I'm calling you to go and do something. For example, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the first part, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, this idea of activity, <clears throat> telling people about me, say that word with me, everywhere, to go, this idea of going. And so the heartbeat of God is always go. Even when Jesus was on earth and he was doing ministry, and it says in Mark that he was, he, in one chapter, chapter one, right away in the book of Mark, he's healing people, he's delivering people, things are happening. I mean, it'd be a great time for Jesus to say, isn't this great? Let's build a building, let's build a church, let's just have a party, let's never go anywhere because it's so good, right? He doesn't do that. Notice what he says, 
Mark 1, verse 38, it says, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So this idea of going is in the heart of God. It's not something that is just for a few. It's part of what he's created us to be a part of in a big way. God's plan. God's plan for your life has never been to become stagnant or still or to set on an island called self. Instead, he wants us to be on a spiritual adventure, ready and available to go and to make a difference in the world of Christ. It's willing to go wherever and whenever he calls. It is an active living journey because inactivity is to actually reject and neglect the will of God for our lives. When I'm inactive, I'm actually saying, no, thank you, Lord. No, thank you, creator of the universe. No, thank you. I don't want to be a part of that. And at that point, it actually becomes disobedience and rebellion to the will of God. So this idea of going is part of it. Jesus said, check out what he said in Luke chapter 10. He said, now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs. I'm go and sending, all in one verse there. Matthew 28 a lot of you know this is a great commission. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus is saying, I've given this, and actually he's talking about it. I've given it to you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, the question I have for us today is what precedes the going? What, what precedes the going? How are we made ready to go? And I, I was thinking about my daughter. We, she's been uh, she's not here today, so I don't have to give her a dollar because she's out of town because I mentioned her name. Um, but she's, she and her four little kids have been living with us for years. Her husband is deployed to the Middle East. And so they've been with us. And I've noticed something as she uh, gets ready to go anywhere, right? It is a massive undertaking, right? Uh, I mean, moms... Dad's kind of, but man, I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, let's just go through the list. We got snacks, we got wipes, we got diapers, we got, do we have, do we have drinks? Do we have car seat? Do we have the kids? Where, I mean, uh, do we have extra set of clothes in case they, you know, do what they do? And I mean, it's like, it takes sometimes 20, 30, 45 minutes just to get out of the door, to go across the street to Target, where we'll be there for 10 minutes and come back, Right? It's just all, but it's all about getting ready to go, <laughs> ready to go. So I want to talk about today how we get ready to go in, in this idea of living since. You know, let's dive in and see what we need to do and, and understand. We actually, what we need to do and understand to be prepared and ready to live since. So I, I've got four just big thought ideas today, and, and I think they're, and they're all right from the text of what we're going through Here's the first one, though. Let's just jump in. Is that alignment precedes the assignment. Alignment precedes the assignment. What precedes? What what has to come first, right? Notice what it says. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, a little bit later on in the same context, it says, after more fasting and prayer. And so there's this idea that those who live sent have prepared for a move of God by practicing continually, on a regular basis, alignment. This idea that I'm in line is preparing for a move of God by continually aligning through the spiritual practices, and they list them for us. Worship, fasting, and prayer. (laughs) Worship, 
Fasting and prayer. They're kind of like the big three. I mean, throw in the one more reading of Scripture, but that's kind of included in the idea of worship in this, in this idea. It's really getting ready to be sent. Now, here's what I've noticed over the years, is that trying to fulfill God's assignment without alignment will leave us powerless and frustrated every time. Because we're outside of the will of God. We're outside of his favor. We're outside of that. I, I, I'm blessing this. It's because we haven't aligned purposely or, or first in the, in the order what needs to go on. Alignment precedes the assignment. It's an example of uh, Acts chapter 19. If you go read that, there's a story of the seven sons of Sceva. Kind of an interesting story. They had this idea, hey, we want to do the assignment of casting out demons from people that are demon-possessed. That's what we want to do. So they just went out and tried it. It didn't work real well because they were not aligned with the Holy Spirit and aligned with God the Father. They were just doing it in their own power. And the story goes on to say that the demons turn around and say, hey, I know Jesus. I know this guy, but who are you? And they proceeded to kick their tails, take their clothes off and kick them down the road. Didn't go well because there wasn't alignment. Alignment. So I've watched people, many people over the years, seek an assignment from God without doing the work of alignment before that. It's an interesting thing. I want the position without the preparation. I want the train ride without the tracks. I, I, I want to be in that position where everybody has to listen to me, but I don't want to lay any of the groundwork or the foundation to get there. And so in this part of the story, Paul and Barnabas and the rest of them, they were laying the groundwork. They were aligning themselves before the assignment came. Now, the question would come, how does worship, fasting, and prayer align me with the assignment? I mean, how does that happen? So let me just break down each one of them. First of all, worship. Which, when, when you think about it, usually when we think worship, we think singing a song, right? But really what this was, this was actually ministering to the Lord in whatever capacity. It could have been singing a song. It could have been giving. It could, it could have been serving. It, it could have been just loving on people. I mean, it, it had this idea that I'm going to do my life as unto the Lord. I'm ministering to the Lord. That's what that means. So, but how does it play in? Really what it is. It's giving attention to God. It's the practice of recognition that God is in every part of who I am in my life. He rules over everything, and I acknowledge his ownership, and I acknowledge his worthship, worship of who he is. And by doing that, I'm actively removing me from the story and inserting him, and at that moment, I'm beginning to align. So worship isn't just a song. It's this idea that I'm coming under his authority, his ownership, and his rule, and I recognize that. It's, that's worship. Here's fasting. Fasting is the practice of denial. Denial. I'm going to deny myself something so that I can be more available to say yes to his something. I'm, I'm going to come under the Lord's will by saying no, maybe for a season to food or to social media or whatever it might be that I fast so that I can come to the place in my life where I can say yes, aligned completely to what the Lord wants. Fasting. Here, and also fasting is the practice of enduring or practice of faith 
when I'm actually in a state of lack. In other words, I'm practicing being uncomfortable because there might be moments along the assignment that I'm going to be uncomfortable, but because I've aligned beforehand, I'm ready for it. And so that's connected to it well. And then the last one is prayer. That prayer is the practice of dependence. Why is prayer so important? It screams. Real prayer screams to heaven, I need you. It screams to heaven, Lord, I can't make this happen without you. I'm dependent upon you. I recognize that unless your hand moves in my life, nothing's going to change. And so, Lord, I'm dependent upon you. Alignment. Alignment precedes the assignment. Here's the second one. Second one is listening. Listening precedes the leading. Listening precedes the listening, leading. How many of you ever had somebody say to you, my wife says it every once in a while, you're not listening to me? A lot of guys raise their hands. <laughs> you're not listening to me. And, and, and see, this idea of listening and leading go hand in hand. I've got I've to be in that place where I listen. The Holy Spirit said. Now, now, what we don't have in the text is how the Holy Spirit said. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. I believe the Holy Spirit could have said, you know, hey, Paul, Barnabas. I mean, that's my Holy Spirit voice. You know, go do this, right? But maybe more likely is one of the prophets or one of the teachers was so moved by the Lord to prophesy in the moment, this is the will of God. And everybody in the, in the group probably said, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. And they confirmed that in that moment. That's probably what took place. But this idea of listening preceding the leading. To live sin is to walk in the obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to live sin, all right? But obedience only can happen if I've actually listened to the Holy Spirit's voice. In other words, I, I can't get to the place of obedience if I'm not actually hearing. I can't, I can't do what God wants me to do if I don't know what he said to go do. And so I've got to listen to his voice. So if we're not willing to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading, we're just guessing. We're guessing, right? Let me throw this out. I think some of us in our spiritual journey, we're guessing what the Holy Spirit wants. And sometimes we're like, whoop, I guess that wasn't the Holy Spirit, right? And it's kind of like, you know, I, you know, I've shot guns before and bow and arrows and, yeah, you know, it's almost hunting season. Come on, guys. Right? You know, and there's a thing in hunting that's called a pot shot. Pot shot is you kind of aim, but you didn't really aim. You're just shooting, you're hoping you hit something. Right? I think some of us, that's how we try to fulfill the assignment and live scent. We, we're doing a pot shot. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, instead of really knowing that it's the voice of the Holy Spirit and God speaking on it. I need to get in that place. So, so let's ask the question here. How do we listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit? How do we do that? How do we listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Let me just give you three real quick thoughts, okay? One is we need to first believe and know that the Holy Spirit is speaking. If you don't think the Holy Spirit is speaking, you're not going to be listening for the Holy Spirit. If you've already decided in your mind and in your life, God's speaking, give me a break, right? 
But if you understand and realize that there is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and He's speaking continually and boldly and wanting you to do something great, and He's always there moving and doing these things, then all of a sudden I'm in a position where I might actually hear His voice. Number two is that to lead or listen to the Holy Spirit, you have to begin to practice responding. Practice responding. So when you think you heard the Holy Spirit, you actually go, you know what, I think I heard the Holy Spirit. Let me actually test this and go actually tell that person, hey, God loves you, and just see what happens. Or maybe go and give that gift that you didn't know that you were supposed to give, or make that text call, or whatever it might be that you think is the Holy Spirit, and you're responding to it, believing, and you're like, wow, I can see by the fruit and what God did that that might have been. And then after a while, as you practice responding, the next time it comes up, ha, I know this feeling. I know this sense. I know this moment. I've heard this voice. I understand how this works. And you get better at it because you practice it. Here's the third one is know how the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks through others. Other godly people, and then check this one out. The Holy Spirit will actually speak through ungodly people. Like, what? what? I mean, it says in Scripture that God spoke through a donkey, right? I mean, so I, I have to really be attuned to how, and I have to back it up, obviously, with the Word, because that's the next thing, is know how the Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks through the Word, so it needs to be confirmed with the Word. He speaks through nudges, and He speaks through, here's one that we don't like, pain. All of these things come together, and I realize, wow, there's some of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks. So one more thought before I go on to the next one. It's never a good idea to do anything in the name of the Lord until you've actually heard from the Lord. Okay? Just, just be really careful of that, because I want to I know, I've heard from the Holy Spirit, I know that God wants me to do this, because here's the thing, there's a lot of things around the corner after you say you've heard that you're going to have to walk through and follow through on, and if you're not really 100% sure, it's really easy to say, ah, I'm out of here, I wasn't really, I was joking, <laughs> I was teasing, right? Here's the third one, third one, is separation precedes the sending. Separation precedes the sending. It says a point, a point. The NIV, I think actually, and other versions, the NLT in this particular word isn't the clearest. I think the clearest version of it is set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I've, for, to which I have called them. This idea of setting apart, it's, it's for special use, for holy use. It's, it's consecration. It's, it's, I've been set apart by God for a holy use, like a vessel in, in the sanctuary in the Old Testament, the temple. I mean, this idea that I'm set apart. Now, how does that play into our living sin? And here's what I think it says. is an entanglement with anything in the world that causes me to be unable to go actually keeps me from the sending. When I'm entangled with anything of this world, I can't say I'll go. To live sin and ready to go is being unattached to anything that would cause me to say no go. I'm not going to go because I'm too attached to my job. I'm too attached to my house. I'm too attached. I'm too attached. I can't say yes. I'm going to be set apart. See, it would have been real... <laughs> would have been a real game changer if Paul and Barnabas would have said, you know, 
I kind of like being a prophet here in Antioch. All the people like me, they know me, it feels comfortable. I mean, come on, you know? Just got a new apartment and a, and a new cart and a new ox. I mean, come on. I, I, I mean, I just got all this new stuff. And, and, and by the way, the weather's awesome here. I mean, who knows what's going to be around the corner if I say yes. And see, I think the, the storyline here really is that they were willing to go and be set apart and not attached to where they were in any shape or form. They could let go of everything. They could let go of everything. Separation precedes descending. See, never allow yourself to think that being called by God is actually a drudgery. Instead, it is the highest calling. It's the highest honor. See, somehow we've gotten a, a lie that's landed on us in this area, and it goes something like this. There's this tension, there's this thought, because we've often struggled with the lie that better living is found in living for self instead of living sin. It's better if I actually do what I think I should do for me. But see, Scripture says just the opposite, that the best thing is living for him, is living sin. Consider Paul's story, and it's kind of a three-part story. Here's, here's his story. He was, he was chasing and trying to kill the church. I mean, he literally stood there one day holding coats as people stoned Stephen, right? And, and it says that he was on the Damascus Road, and he had an encounter with God, and he went from being an enemy of the cross to being rescued by the cross. And being rescued is great. I mean, being rescued by God and his grace and his idea that I used to be that, but now I'm this. That's an amazing, amazing story that we, you and I need to have as being part of our story. And then it goes to the next step or the next level, and that's being transformed, which is even better than being rescued. <laughs> I mean, I was rescued. I'm set free. I've got this life. Now I'm transformed. All of a sudden, all the junk is being peeled away. All the stuff is being knocked off. All of a sudden, now I can really understand some of these things. And so Paul was transformed. It was, it was better. Third level. He was sent, and it was the best. It was the high calling. It was a great calling to be rescued. It was, a, it was a better calling to be transformed, but the high calling was to be sent. And see, sometimes we get that confused in our heads. We think, no, that's not the high calling. I mean, come on. No, that's if the creator of all the universe puts his finger on your shoulder and says, hey, I want you to go, it's a high calling. That's where Paul was. So here's the, here's the last one. So <clears throat> alignment precedes the assignment. Listening precedes the leading. Separation precedes the sending. And the last one, this one's a little harder, is the opposition precedes the overcoming. The opposition precedes the overcoming. Here's an interesting thought here today. Some of you might be in really, really difficult situations. You might feel like you're facing incredible opposition on every corner, right? Every angle of your life, you're facing opposition. And here's the statement. Your opposition might actually very easily be your opportunity. The struggle that you are in might just be a setup by God that you might be in an overcoming moment. See, Here's how it goes. If we never face any struggle, we will never come to a place of overcoming. 
If every day is just another walk in the park, you probably are never going to get to the points that you really overcome. It takes tension. It takes struggle. It takes obstacle. It takes difficulty. That's what it takes. It's when we face the obstacles in life in the authority of Jesus, in life, the authority of Jesus becomes evident in our lives. That's when it happens. Let me say it another way. The miracles happen when there's struggle. The, the miracles happen when there's difficulty. The miracles happen when there's an obstacle, when there's a fight, when there's something that's happening. That's when it takes place. So then, if we never move out in faith, or we never take a risk in trusting God to use us, we will always be on the other side of the miracle of His power. Always be on the other side. We won't ever really be in the middle of it. We, we won't have that overcoming story because we never really got close enough to it. And so check out what happened with Paul and Barnabas the, last, the next several verses. They were aligned. They were led by the Holy Spirit. They were set apart. Should be easy, right? I mean, come on, aligned? They got it. And we're, we're birthed out of worship and fasting and prayer. The Holy Spirit spoke to us. And we're set apart and we've obeyed and we're ready. Man, everything should just go amazingly perfect now. Wrong. Check out what happens. Let me read the story. It says, so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Awesome. God moving. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia <clears throat> and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. So, man, their ministry journey started with a cruise. I mean, like, they're probably going, man, God can call me apart anytime he wants to. We're going, we're cruising, right? There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God there so they didn't ignore the Jews. They, 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 even though they're called to the Gentiles, they preached the word John Mark with, went with them as their assistant. And so everything seems to be going great. I mean, we went on a cruise. We're, we're talking to people. Things are happening. I mean, it's like, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. Look what happens when you align yourself and all these things are taking place. It goes on. It says, afterward, they traveled from town to town, across the entire island. They went from east to the west. Entire island. Everybody say that word with me. Until till till I lost the job <laughs> till I got sick till the family started having some crazy stuff going on till right until finally they reached Patmos where they met a Jewish sorcerer false prophet named Bar Jesus he had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. There was a desire in him to know what they were talking about. But Elymas, also known as Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing opposition. So Saul, also known as Paul, this is when it, his name became a change in scripture, was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
which is the key to the story right here. It's the key. The, the, the unction and the power and the authority that came from alignment, leading, and being set apart was now coming alive and dealing with the opposition that was in front of him. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looked the sorcerer in the eye. <laughs> I think a lot of times we have obstacles and we do just the opposite, right? We run. <laughs> we avoid it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to interact with it. We don't want, we don't want to do that. It says he looked the sorcerer in the eye. He faced the opposition. He didn't run. He didn't avoid it. He boldly dealt with it in the authority that Jesus had given him. Then he said, I wish I could get the, the, the language of what was being said here. You son of the devil. Right? I don't know. Right? Full of every sort of deceit and fraud. I mean, he calls it out. An enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now. I love this. For the Lord. Not me. <laughs> For the Lord. He's fighting my battle. He's the one that's going to deal with this obstacle. He's the one that's going to bring the defeat of the one that's trying to bring my defeat. That's what's happening here. Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind, and you will not see the sunlight for some time. And instantly a mist, a darkness, came over the man's eyes, and he began to grope around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Verse 12, and when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer. The opposition became the opportunity. The obstacle led to the breakthrough. The governor saw what happened. He became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. So he took what happened with the, the sorcerer, and he took what he had heard from the truth, and he said, I'm in. I'm in. And here's what I think I believe is the truth for us today. There are those who want to believe, but they need someone who will who is willing to live sent to open the door with the Lord's authority so they can. Will you be that someone? Will you be that someone? To boldly go. To boldly go. Five practical ways to live sent. I'm just throwing them out and then I'll pray. Live sent by inviting, very basically. Invite somebody. Next week, invite somebody. Live sent. I mean, it's a very simple thing to do. By serving. Get on a serving team. Just serve. Serve the local church. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to prepare a body of people for me when I come back. That's part of the mission. Giving. That's live sent by giving. Live sent by loving. Loving maybe the difficult, loving the hard. Maybe it's live sent by going. We have missions trips coming up here in the fall, a couple of construction trips. We got things where you can go, go across the street, go. Let me pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And I believe that maybe today there are those in this room that you're calling to live the same kind of life that Paul was living sent. 
But to get there, Lord, the the rescue has to happen. The transformation has to happen. The the sending has to happen. Maybe you're here today and you've never allowed or welcomed or received Jesus as a Savior to rescue you. That you're drowning in your own mistakes and your own sin. And it's that moment in life that maybe God brought you here today to cry out to him and say, would you rescue me? That this is your Damascus Road moment where you encounter the living God and he's not mad at you, he's pouring out grace over you. He loves you and he desires a relationship with you, but the washing of your sins needs to be taken care of. That's the cross. And you need to be rescued today. If that's you before I pray, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. But Lord, I pray, Father, specifically for those that just raise their hand, Lord, to be rescued by a Savior that comes looking for a broken person like me. Lord, change my heart. Change my life. Wash me. Make me new. According to the power of the cross that I might start this journey of living since. And Lord, I pray for every one of us in this room, God, that we would begin to step through these preceding steps, Lord, to to align before assigning. Lord, to listen before we're led, God, to to be separate before the sending, Lord, to know that the opposition precedes the opportunity. Lord, let us step into that and not fight against it. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.